here in this room, we're going to turn our attention to uh, the gospel of Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me there. Uh, We're going to be reading verses 13 through 19 of uh, Mark chapter 3, and it uh, directs us uh, in the uh, the, the first uh, naming of the 12 disciples uh, according to the gospel of Mark. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him all those he wanted, and they came. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonergus, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Lord, we come before you, thankful for your word. And so we spend these next few moments pondering what you have for us in them. And now we ask, O God, that you would meet with us by the power of your word, that you would help us to come to know you more and more through it. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. And Lord, I ask that you would open our hands, that in response to your word, we would offer grace on your behalf to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do any of you know someone that's really direct? Um, someone who, who doesn't seem to have room in the vocab- vocabulary for flowery language, no sugarcoating it, someone that... That, that, that cuts straight through the noise. Anyone? The Dutch, the, the Dutch someone said. Uh, that sounds like someone that's been traveling uh, for business and might have encountered one or two such Dutch men or women. Uh, someone who's direct like that, it's, it's fascinating to me uh, the unique n- nuances, the differences uh, we have that are a gift to us in the four Gospels. You know, we have four Gospels in the New Testament of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all tell the same story. They all tell the same story, but each of them tell the story from their own perspective, from their own experience of it, from from their own understanding of what was taking place. And they each have a different tone, a different engagement. Some are very verbose. Some are very direct. Mark, particularly, is the most direct. 
He doesn't have time uh, to give you all of the flowery words. All he has time for is to tell you the direct gospel as he knows it. One one example of these differences comes to us in the call of the disciples. Each of the the, the gospel writers has a different uh, different experience of the call of the disciples. Uh, For instance, you would hear in the gospel of Matthew the language, follow me. Over and over again, Matthew shows Jesus calling his disciples and he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. In the Gospel of John, we, we have a, a different uh, take on it. Uh, same power, same experience, different take. John recalls uh, Jesus in his invitation uh, to, to be Jesus' disciple. Uh, he remembers and recalls it as, come and see. Come and see Jesus speaking to one that is being Uh, invited into a discipling discipling relationship, come and see. If if you come and journey with me, you'll bear witness, you'll learn, you'll experience, and in so doing, there's power, there is growth. Luke's gospel, uh, as he orients uh, that invitation, it's uh, set in a scene uh, that, that, that is similar to a parable, it seems, as Jesus then uses it in the disciples' life. Uh, they are fishing, and at the end of this fishing expedition, Jesus says, Come, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. So you you see, each of the gospel writers has a nuanced way of articulating this invitation to discipleship. Now, Mark, Mark in chapter one, by the way, in chapter one, I mean, in Luke, we hadn't even had Jesus, Jesus born yet. But in Mark, we already have an invitation of a disciple in chapter one. He does use follow me language that Matthew picks up on and uses as well. But Mark in chapter three, as his gospel is really turning into the, the ministry uh, uh, with and amongst the people of God, we see uh, Mark invite these 12 disciples. It says that he goes up on a mountainside. He invites those that he wants to come. And it says that they came. And so it is these 12 named disciples. But there is something that happens in this moment for Mark that doesn't happen in any of the other three gospels. Mark gives very explicit understanding of what the expectations of the disciples are in this Mark chapter 3 invitation. In verse 14 and verse 15, we see what Jesus is inviting them to. He says, be with me and be sent by me. This is is the call of discipleship for Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. Be with me and be sent by me. 
Now, now, I love how direct Mark is in this. He has no foreshadowing. He has no ability to delay, to hold the story as it progresses. Uh, We are not waiting to Matthew 28 for the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're not waiting like Luke did until Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're not waiting to the end of the story to get the directive that we as disciples from the very beginning, in Mark's gospel are called to be sent. We are invited into discipleship in order that we will be sent. I wonder if they knew that at the beginning. If they really got it from the outset. You're called to be with me. And you're called to be sent. Now, now we, we like the name disciple. I, I believe that, that most Christians would, would raise their hand if I was saying, hey, do you want to, to claim the name disciple? Uh, the, the word disciple meaning follower. A Christian disciple would be a follower of Jesus, a personal follower of Jesus. And I was, if I was going to say, do you believe that you're a disciple? You would raise your hands. But here at the very beginning of Mark chapter 3, it's clear that a disciple makes disciples. Have you thought about this? Have you been confronted with this truth, this reality? That Mark doesn't have to wait to share with any of us, but Mark just comes out and says it at the very beginning. If you are a disciple, you're going to make other disciples. Disciples make disciples. It says that they were sent out. They were sent out to do two things. Uh, this is this, is this uh, invitation of the twelve. They were sent out to preach and they were sent out to cast out demons. Which means that they had two things. When they chose to be Jesus' disciples, they were already endowed with two things. They were endowed with good news. That which we preach. We have the gospel. We've, we've been given, gifted the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. And when we have the good news of Jesus, we are sent to tell other people of that good news. We're not to be hoarders of the good news. We're not to, to safeguard the good news from the world. Rather, we're to offer the good news of Jesus to the world. So they had the good news. And secondly, they had spiritual power. Followers of Jesus had the gift of the Holy Spirit, have the gift of the Holy Spirit living in them. And so when they are faced with spiritual forces of wickedness, when they're faced with evil powers of this world, they are empowered by Jesus as followers of Jesus to be a source of remedy, to cast out to heal, to restore the world. Disciples of Jesus, disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. And they do so with the gifts they have as disciples, gifts of the gospel and gifts of spiritual power. Discipleship is uh, the critical piece for the church 
And, and anytime the church gets distracted or off base, focused on programming or hoopla, rather than in disciple making, we are missing the point, missing the mark. For a church of Jesus Christ must be a disciple making engine where disciples make disciples who make disciples. I mean, isn't it baffling? To see that the Christian church, worldwide, millions and millions of disciples of Jesus, all began with 12 people. I mean, I've heard of pyramid schemes, but this is crazy. <laughs> right? I mean, 12 people that we could name. And some of them have awesome names like Thaddeus and Bartholomew. Two of them are called Sons of Thunder. Forget you, Thor. These 12 people so understood that they were making disciples that would make disciples that would make disciples that would make disciples that, would make disciples, that you and I are inheritors of this grand and holy gift. But if we want to study how that happened, not just what gifts we've been given by Jesus, but, but what the first step in the process looks like, we need to look at the model that Jesus laid out for us. And in Mark's gospel, it's not only follow me, it's not only be fishers of men, it's not only come and see, it's not only be sent out, but there is this language that haunts me, that is at the core of who we are as disciples. Jesus invited them to, to be his disciples so that they would be with him. They would be with Jesus. I mean, when that's our heart's desire above everything else, more than any accolade or more than any affirmation, more than any uh, kudos or pat on the back, more than anything else in all of creation, when our desire is to be with Jesus we are in lockstep with those first 12 disciples. I mean, think about it. The disciples were with Jesus, not just observing Jesus from a distance. It's not like Jesus went and did these things and they just watched him do it so that they could tell other people. It wasn't like they were uh, biographers researching Jesus I mean, we could, we, could, we could act like we're disciples of Jesus as though we're biographers of Jesus. Can I get a witness? Like, any of you ever thought that you could do enough research about Jesus that you would then be a disciple of Jesus? That's not how it worked. They were with Jesus. They were with Jesus when he fed the 5,000. They were so intimately connected with who Jesus was when the 5,000 were fed that Jesus said, you do it. What do you have? How are you going to participate? You and I are doing this together. You are with me as the 5,000 were fed. 
They were with Jesus in his lowest points. They were with Jesus in these three low points. Are you ready? They were with Jesus when his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. And he experienced the pain and torment of that loss. They were with Jesus as one of his dearest friends, Lazarus, Lazarus died. And he had to face Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, as they were mourning and weeping. And then we have Jesus joining them in tears. They were with Jesus as he faced the cross and he knew in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was going to be betrayed. And, and, and in the depth of that despair, they were called to be with him. The disciples weren't, weren't just observers of Jesus they were with Jesus. They were with Jesus as opposition arose in the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were with Jesus as he traveled to places that were not to be traveled to by, by Jews in that day and age. They were with Jesus as he traveled to Tyre and Sidon. They were with Jesus as he traveled to Samaria. They were with Jesus as he met with lepers and healed and cleansed them. They were with Jesus as he walked on water. Not even that physical barrier could stop them from being with Jesus. Jesus is walking on water and he says, come, be with me here. Consistently, over and over again, the disciples lived out this Mark 3 description of what it means to be a disciple, that they would be sent and First and foremost, that they would be with Jesus. Because life was the curriculum. Life. Life was the curriculum. Jesus was able to journey all along the way. In the highs and in the lows and everything in between, he invited disciples to be with them. And so we uh, are to be like those disciples. Uh, we are to be with one another as we are with Jesus. Uh, we can't merely say, I'm going to be with Jesus and I'm going to be on my own, boxed off from the rest of Christian relationships. We need one another. We're called to be in Christian community and fellowship. We are to be a people where no one walks alone. And yes, we have Jesus with us, but Jesus gathered the disciples in a small group in a community of 12 so that they would be with one another while they were with Jesus. And many of you have experienced the life-giving fruit of this kind of intentional small group discipleship. You've journeyed with others as they journeyed with you. And you know what it means. You know what it looks like. 
You know that, that, that as you're considering and discerning a job transition or as you've been laid off or as you've been pursuing a job, having other people, other followers of Jesus speak into and over your life, even if it's just to be support and prayer and encouragement, there's power there because you're not alone. You know that whenever, whenever you battle illness, when you get a prognosis that you didn't want to get, when you hear from the doctor, hey, you have cancer, you know that if you have a community of faith, a fellowship of other disciples to lift you up, to undergird you, to walk with you in that journey, you are practicing your faith, you're being encouraged and uplifted because you don't walk alone. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. When a newborn baby comes into a community, you're covered up, you're gathered together, you're encouraged. When you ring that cancer-free bell, you are celebrating with and you are journeying with. If you are following Jesus and you're with others that are following Jesus, life is growing in faith. We are to be with one another as we are with Jesus. In joy, in despair, in wonder, in isolation, in discontentment and contentment, in discernment and in hope. Why would we hoard these life experiences when the model for Christians is clear in the biblical witness. Jesus says, as a disciple, I'm sending you out, but be with me. Journey with Jesus and journey with one another. All too often, in this world, we are tempted to say, I could do it on my own. We are tempted to hold our burdens to ourselves so that we can not burden anyone else. All too often, we're guilty of this, and all we are doing is deterring our growth. For you and I to take the next step in discipleship, we need to make sure that we are with other people that are with Jesus while we are striving to be with Jesus as well. I'm comforted in this. I'm comforted because when you read the story of Jesus and you see all that Jesus went through, you realize, I realize at least, I realize that there is nothing that I could go through that Jesus isn't well equipped to journey with me in. Jesus, in his 33 years of life and his three years of ministry, seemed to experience all the ebbs and flows of emotional and physical health and well-being, such that I know that whenever I walk intentionally with Jesus and I invite others into that community with me, 
I'm going to be supported. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be uplifted. And God is going to be glorified. I love how Mark doesn't mince his words. He gets straight to the point. He doesn't open and close as a bookend, but rather he cuts straight to the point. You are a disciple, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as such, you will be sent, but you must first be with our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. That is our invitation this and every day. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you for uh, this, this gift of your word that, that directs our path and invites us into a clear and consistent witness. Lord, that we would journey with you all along the way. Lord, help us to, to never fall into the traps, Satan's trap of isolation, It is so tempting, and yet it is so destructive. Lord, equip us to enter into this fall, enter into these, these nude, new and restored rhythms of life with school and, and work and consistency. Lord, we ask that you would direct our path in relationship to one another. Let our priorities reflect your priorities. Let our heart and our life reflect your heart and your life. Lord, all we want to do is be with you. As we continue in worship, oh God, we pray that you would bless this time of offering, that uh, as these gifts are given, transforming ministry in our lives and in our neighbors' lives would take place, that a community connecting in Christ would be realized and built here and that you would be glorified in and through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.